0: Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. There you go, folks. When the Iron Lady sings it, that's when you know it's official. Thanks for tuning in. as always to the Chris Voss Show. We couldn't do it without you guys because if we didn't, we'd just be two fools sitting here talking all the time. For 16 years, we've been bringing you the smartest people and minds, people that bring us their greatest stories. And all that good stuff, the CEOs, the billionaires, the White House presidential advisors, the governors, the Congress members, the U.S. ambassadors, the astronauts, the Pulitzer Prize winner, TV anchors, you name it. They've been on the show and they bring their stories and deliver them in a concise format that helps create this elite crowd that we call the Chris Voss show audience and give you what we also refer to as the Chris Voss show glow. This this aura of intelligence that washes over people listening to the show. As always, refer the show to your family. I like the aura part. I think that's, I, I got to write that down. As always, refer to the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Go to goodreads.com, Forchess Chris Foss. Lots of great author stuff on there. YouTube.com, Forchess Chris Foss. There's LinkedIn.com, Forchess Chris Foss, the big LinkedIn newsletter that grows like a weed. The 130,000 LinkedIn group as well. And Chris Foss one on the TikTok and Chris Foss at Facebook.com. We had an amazing gentleman on the show. He's the author of six books. His latest book could come out August 14th, 2023. Three, how building the future really works from information technologies and space technologies to power production and electromobility what society needs to take the nep- next step leap forward there you go so we'll have Matt Larson on the show with us today he'll be talking to us about his books some of his thoughts and feelings on all this great technology and data he is the Let's see if we can get to this. He is the consultant and expert on electromobility for Global Energy Transformation Institute. Welcome to the show, Mats. How are you?
1: Thank you very much, Chris. I'm fine, thanks.
0: There you go. And do I have the pronunciation of your name correct? Yes, you did. There we go. So give us a .com. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Where they find me? Yeah, what, whatever dot coms websites.
1: Yes, at getinstitute.com. getinstitute dot com. Okay, uh, that's the uh, my site.
0: All right, there you go. So, give us a thirty thousand overview of what you do and how you do it.
1: I'm a consultant. I've been working as a business consultant for thirty three years, and I'm uh, I've spent the past eighteen years exploring the amount of resources countries will need to change transport systems to electromobility. And really? and I found that a lot more resources will be needed than people expect, and definitely much more will be needed than most decision makers expect. Hmm. You know, probably that air regulators in California have decided to ban the sales of gasoline cars from 2035. and. There will be a huge need for electricity mm-hmm. in order to do that and uh, that's what uh, and grid capacity and uh, charging infra- infrastructure structure. those are the the aspects that i've looked into for the past 18 years
0: there you go and so you help them understand what they need to do and how they need to do it to possibly achieve those goals or see the fallacies of them Weakness yes points exactly there you go. So, give us a, your your bio, your, your background. How did you grow up? How did you get in this field, and and what kind of led you down this path?
1: Well, I, I grew up in Sweden, um, and I, I studied business administration at university, and I then I, I then started to work as a business consultant, working with big companies, change management, strategy development, and various. Well, si- similar tasks for more than 30 years, and uh, 18 years ago, I started to, to um, explore how much resources will be needed to change the world's transportation systems to electric vehicles, and uh, yeah. I got ha- hooked on that issue because so much electricity will be needed, for example, to to change the world. The transportation systems of the United States—cars, trucks, buses—you will need to double power production, and that's a
0: lot. So, double doubling power plants, basically, right?
1: Yeah, basically. At present, you, the United States generates 4,000 terawatt hours, and that may not mean much, but it it's actually the annual generation of 350 nuclear reactors Mm -hmm. or 1.2 million wind turbines. And you have, and you also, and you're also facing the need to dramatically expand the capacity of power grids and the charging infrastructure.
0: Oh, wow. So where are we at to meet those goals? Where are we at now to meet them? Are we halfway? Are we a quarter of the way of what's needed? Well, where uh, are we? No
1: country so far has come very far. In the United States, you have two or three percent electric Jewish. vehicles out of two hundred eighty-five million okay. uh, electric. Uh, out of two hundred eighty-five million cars, there is there is still not not many electric cars on the roads, and very much fewer electric trucks and electric buses. And the country that's leading this development. Norway, they have 20% electric cars so far, but still no country has experienced the situation where the majority of cars are electric, mm. and no country has even started to prepare the, for the large-scale expansion of electric, electricity production and grid expansion and so on.
0: Wow. So uh, what what percent would you say are we on right now, assuming everything... You know, goes goes according to plan. What 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 speed are we are we at?
1: Mm, uh, I don't know exactly, but no co- countries have not started the expansion of power production because there has not so far been any, any debate in in countries regarding the the need to expand power generation or the mm-hmm. need to expand grid capacity and so on. So for example, in Sweden we have decided our government has decided a few weeks back to build two new nuclear reactors and they will be ready at well if if we're lucky they will be ready in two thousand and thirty five. We if countries now start to make decisions or governments start to make decisions to to expand power generation we will still have to wait about 12 15 maybe 18 years until we have new big nuclear reactors online and of course wind power can be expanded faster but we can't rely entirely on wind because then we won't have the ability or to to balance power grids. So oh, wow. there's a need for for big power plants to complement wind and solar generation.
0: Yeah. So you you in the notes you sent me over, this is quite extraordinary that I was taking a look at. And here, let me see if I can pull those up really quick again. The notes that you sent over to me, you had said that we would need up to an equivalent generation of 350 nuclear reactors or 1.2 million wind turbines and god knows what else i mean would the irony be we'd make more coal plants
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> of course it there there is some surplus electricity that can be used i mean not all electricity at all times is used for the moment Mm -hmm. so so to some extent electromobility can be expanded using existing power generation existing electricity resources but as you know there are already times uh, in california for instance when there are uh, shortages or where a year ago when when this de- decision had been made, utilities asked uh, users not to charge their electric vehicles during the labor day weekend because mm-hmm. there wasn't they expected that there wouldn't be enough power they all there is already this shortage or this this constraint on on generation and constraint on charging vehicles so uh, with increasing Fleets of electric cars, electric trucks and and other and electric buses that will be well incre- increasing strain on on the power needs and and more risk of, of brownouts and and other problems.
0: yeah, I mean it it seems like we finally hit kind of almost scale where you know these I mean even the new cyber trucks pumping out, I just saw Elon shared something with some of the other automakers at making a certain power. Base for electric vehicles giving them a schematic for it which i think is interesting i imagine that fits into what his network runs on but we're going to need more of those charging stalls charging stops charging stations do we i mean what would be the anticipated cost you would think to scale this up do you have any estimates
1: <laughs> well um it's difficult to calculate the cost exactly but mm-hmm. a, a nuclear reactor costs between six and nine billion dollars scaling up wind turbines would be less expensive up front but that, to, to do that you also need additional balancing power from from some big power plants and so on so scaling up wind power couldn't be done on its own that will also be a need for for um, storage, physical storage, like storage in batteries, because wind it doesn't blow all the time and solar doesn't mm-hmm. generate at night and so on. So there are a lot, huge huge demand on developing these system solutions so that mm-hmm. the systems become both user-friendly, reliable, and cost-effective. I, I, I often use the Apollo program as an example, because you couldn't they couldn't have made the Apollo program or succeeded with the sending a man to the moon and bringing him safe, safely back to Earth had they not had all the components of the system, like the mm-hmm. the space center in Houston, the the launch pad, the rocket, the the um, the, the landing module, etc. So you need a lot of different components, and it's it's the same with with this expansion of electromobility, we need to build systems that ha- include all the components needed, not only to drive the cars, but to to charge and to generate the electricity and so on.
0: There you go. Do, do you think, like there's a new, I just saw that there's some new funding that was given to trying to run a train between Las Vegas and LA. I, I believe the Biden administration is announcing it this week. And uh, I think they're giving 3 billion, there's like 18 billion they're trying to raise to build this thing. I don't know if it's like an electronic train or, you know, some sort of super fast thing like other countries have. Do you know about that yet? Have you heard about that?
1: No, I I haven't heard about it.
0: Oh, it just was announced yesterday, I think. Mm. Yeah.
1: No, that's uh, building trains is also power consuming uh, or they need a lot of power as well. Uh, Mm. But I, and I'm I'm not so familiar with how much power trains need, but 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 just a train between Los Angeles and and Las Vegas wouldn't be a huge power cons- consumer, I, I think, but. Cons- th- th- Consider a situation where everyone is going to have an electric car, where well, all 285 million cars in the United States would be electric. Everyone needs to charge charge it on a daily or, well, a- a- as often as they need to be charged, and they would need to, and that would demand extreme capacity of power grids, of charging infrastructure, much more than than a single train train line,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it so we have a we have a lot of building we need to do for infrastructure, at least like here in America, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. And in order to do this in a, in an efficient way, the the systems that will be needed have to be mapped so that uh, we develop the most efficient, cost efficient, energy efficient. And user-friendly types of systems because there are different technologies for charging. There are stationary chargers, fast in, in the form of fast chargers, normal speed chargers that are slower. You charge charge overnight, but there are also new technologies like electric road systems where where vehicles can travel and charge via tracks in the road. That, Dynamically, so that's a really. Those are re- different alternatives, and depending on which ones you use, you will need to to expand uh, power generation, for example, and the grid capacity to different degrees. Because mm-hmm. if you want to, if you are able to spread charging out across the twenty four hours of the day, you'll. You'll have a different situation compared to how if you you build systems where you need to to supply all the the electricity during the day, for example. So you need people need to learn about these system relationships and, and learn how to build cost-effective and and energy-effective systems. And f- to do that, there will be a need for new Roles, new competencies uh, that that are not so very common today, like elect- electrification strategists and electrification architects.
0: Hmm. There you go. I mean, it's something that we're going to need to try and do and pull off. Do you find that our politicians are ready for this the challenge ahead? I mean, are they? even mindful of the amount of power we need, the, the especially here in the U.S. I know you're, I think you're in Sweden, but I, I'm, I'm over here in the U.S. and we're, we're kind of an important country sometimes.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, no, I don't think politicians in any country are ready for this because <laughs> they have the, the expansion of electric vehicle fleets has been seen as an environmental issue and a, a, a matter of sustainability and, and and so on. And it, it, it has been treated by and pu- pushed forward by sustainability experts and so on. But very few or almost no experts on change management, business development have engage with this and hmm. politicians have listened a lot to to sustainability experts and who have said we need to do this but no one or very few people except myself have started to investigate what will be needed to do it and business people have not have also not engaged with it Elon Musk actually he made a statement at a conference in 2021 called Codecon 20 20- 2021 on a on a question from the audience where he said that in order to change to electric vehicles the United States would need to double power production and that's the estimate that I referred to mm-hmm. uh, so it I've made the same calculation I in Europe we need to increase power production by some fifty percent and in the United States you need to, to increase it by by one hundred percent because you drive twice as far as we do on average we yeah. using each car.
0: Yeah so we're really big on that. Mm.
1: <laughs> I no I don't think politicians have have anticipated this huge need for resources, need for investments and need for planning and manage change programs.
0: All right. Well, we're, so we're behind the eight ball. Do you think that some of our things were, oh, we shouldn't build nuclear, we shouldn't build nuclear power. It's, you know, dangerous and bad. Do you think that's going to put us, I mean, are we going to end up in a, in a crux? We're going to run out of energy and like, I'll be like, oh God, people are driving their cars. I can't turn my lights on today.
1: <laughs> well, there there has been some wishful thinking in the, the debate regarding the de- de- develop, development of of the power systems of the future and so on, and mm. a lot of focus have been on wind power, solar power, and they, those are important. Definitely, we need to increase the the generation through v- wind and and solar, but we can't rely entirely on those. And yeah. We need also base load in, in the grids, big power power plants with large turbines that keep that that keep balance the grids. And that, that makes sure that large industries, large production facilities and, and plants get the all the electricity they need. And in mm-hmm. order to do that, we need not, can not only rely on, on these intermittent resources, but we also need big power plants like nuclear. And since we don't want to expand coal-fired plants, oil-fired plants, etc., we're we need to face reality and say i think that we need and and see the reality that we actually also need to expand nuclear nuclear generation because there are no, there, there is no way to come around the fact that we need to to have reliable large scale generation systems
0: Definitely, definitely. So, in your book, "How Building the Future Really Works," you talk about all this in detail about how we, you know, we can we we can try and put this jigsaw puzzle together. Do you see any sort of innovations of technologies, say per se, like you know, nuclear f- coal fusion or so, any any sort of things that are on the horizon that could potentially, you know, be the breakthrough? Energy that's like ah here's this is the new big thing and this could save us.
1: Well, uh, fusion will not, as I understand it, be developed or expanded on a large scale within Mm. the coming decades. So we may have, or future generations may have access to cold fusion reactors and so on. But but my, my generation and probably your your generation are not likely to experience that so we need to do with with existing technologies and there are innovations but we haven't seen any dramatic new generation technologies in the past years that could solve this in an in a entirely new way we have the same basically we have the same power sources that we had we've had over the past decades and the past 50 years and with addition to wave power that may may come online and and increase in the future uh, Mm. i think there are not very many of those new technologies what may be possible could be new battery technologies for electric vehicles and Mm. definitely there will be in, in a a lot of innovation in, ter- in the area of uh, charging and charging technology, charging infrastructure, electric roads, um, uh, storage, uh, battery storage, storage in the form of hydrogen and uh, methanol, for example, other forms of, of power storage. But, uh, but unfortunately, not so much in uh, power generation.
0: Wow. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting how this is all going to play out. I mean, we're pumping out of these cars. Do you have an anticipated with all the electronic vehicles that are for sale right now? Do you have a anticipated run out time if we don't get our act together and, and get everything fixed?
1: Well, <laughs> there are different issues. This this change has been discussed as a way to combat global warming and, and emissions of carbon dioxide. But there is also the, the risk that global oil production will start to decrease, and we don't know exactly when this will happen. But mm. um, but the, the the production of 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 oil normal oil and not fracking or, or the new types of, of shale oil mm-hmm. has been the, the, the production of, of normal oil has been at a stable level for the, over the past two decades. so mm-hmm. and that doesn't seem to be very much opportunity to expand that production because not very many new new oil wells are, are found over the past 10 years it has the number of new wells has been decreasing constantly over the past 10 15 20 years and the biggest the discoveries were made in the 1960s and 1970s when when oil prices were really low so mm. despite uh, increasing oil prices this new discoveries have has continued to, to decrease and the world is potentially facing, will potentially face, decline in oil production over the coming decade or or decades. So we need to prepare also for that. And, and we don't know exactly when we will face any real problems. In that respect, but we know also that we need to, to reduce the use of oil and the use of carbon dioxide emissions in order to reduce global warming.
0: hmm and then i don't know i mean i we're still a growing country i think we i think we may have slowed births uh, after over covid but i think they're back up and running again i think there was a big bump in in uh, in new kids but we're kind of a we're kind of a declining nation when it comes down to it when it comes down you know we have most of our baby boomers are retiring they're still alive but you know they're They're fading away. I don't know how much consumption they're doing. Doesn't seem like we're doing a whole lot of new building. Right now we have offices that are empty, malls that are empty. You know, COVID and remote workforce has really taken its toll and actually created some crisis when it comes to the economy where, you know, these, these buildings are sitting empty. These downtowns are sitting empty because. You know people don't want to go back to work in inside buildings anymore, and they're kind of spoiled with the whole thing. Th- there's kind of a non-consumption being there. One thing that's interesting too is like te- I believe Texas is the only state in the nation of the US that isn't attached to the grid. I guess they have their own sort of profitable system for billionaires that <laughs> can charge the hell out of people, and I guess they they do. Your 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 electric bill can get pretty s- crazy down there, and I think they have like hundreds of providers or thousands of providers, which is insane. But welcome to Texas. The so I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like it seems like we need to have more politicians aware of what's going on, more planning for the future. You know, we we still have people that are in denial about you know the need for clean energy, the need for you know if there is really a you know, the politicians are still denying if there really is a, you know, global warming. You know, meanwhile, you know, we're seeing lots of events in our weather and stuff that, you know, we, we just had like a first hurricane or something like that or tornado in 200 years come on in the coast of the land of the coast of California. So it's like insane. You know, we're seeing stuff that's weird. So by by people reading your book and stuff, do you think it can give people a mindset of how to be prepare, better prepared for these things?
1: Yes, I bring up a number of experiences from the past and whether or not we believe that we will need to implement electric car systems or electric vehicle systems, we still need to prepare for for, for change in the future. And there are other areas in society, where where electricity demand is going to increase, we're talking about hydro, the hydrogen economy, and the hydrogen mm. production requires huge amounts of electricity because hydrogen is is produced through the process of electrolysis. So, just to take an example, if you would run the U.S. vehicle fleets on on hydrogen instead of electricity electric car batteries you mm-hmm. would need twice as much electricity to produce the hydrogen because because of the energy intensive production technologies used for hydrogen production so we need to prepare for for big changes anyway and for a big increase in in the demand for electricity and we would have to learn from past experiences like the apollo program the development of computers the development of of airplane technologies aviation technologies space technologies mobile phone technologies and yeah. as, and these technologies have been developed to a large extent in in programs that at the at the beginning were heavily funded by the us government and for for many decades, the U.S. government financed to a large extent the the development of c- computers from the from the end of the second Second World World War, and computers were developed to to serve a number of the the needs of the governments and so on. And at this, in, in with this development of electromobility, we politicians and sustainability experts and so on, they expect that we will be able to implement new competitive and cost-effective systems of electric cars and charging infrastructure in only a little more than a decade, and that they, these systems will become competitive against the very highly efficient systems of, of fossil, fuel, <coughs> fossil fuels. And that's not realistic. We need to learn from those past experiences and see how were these technologies developed? How were they implemented on a large scale and what role did did different actors play in this development?
0: Hmm. There you go. Uh, It's going to be an interesting ride. So anything I should have asked you that we might need to know for our listeners out there?
1: Yes you were you were actually touching upon one of the main things with this change earlier in the interview when you mentioned texas and the number of different providers down there because a lot of organizations and companies will need to be involved in the this change in order mm. to make it possible it can't just be be decided by, by a few high level politicians in washington or, or in the state capitals it has to be this uh, these systems need to be built up through investments by a large number of different organizations U- utilities companies that run car parks companies that uh, real estate companies and, and and also uh, cities and and towns uh, in different states and state governments need to be uh, involved as well in in the planning of the of the transformation and the and the various activities that will be involved
0: there you go it's uh, it's going to be an interesting ride so as we go out give us your final pitch to people to pick up your book check out your website see about consulting with you etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: yes thank you i my book is called "How Building the Future Really Works." It's available on Amazon.com and on all other Amazon platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's available at a discount right now: two ninety-nine plus sales tax, three seventeen uh, mm-hmm. at present. Uh, and there is also a hard hardbound copy and the paperback copies that can be ordered by, from Amazon. And I'm available. I'm one one for consulting services. I'm one of the few persons in the world who has at this point looked into the the system aspect and the, the large scale change aspect of of the transformation to electromobility. And I'm available and you can reach me at my website, getinstitute.com, dot com. dot com. Global Energy Transformation Institute. G E T Institute for short.
0: There you go. Uh, well, there you go. It's been wonderful and insightful to have you on the show. We certainly appreciate it, Matt.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Chris. I really enjoyed recording this.
0: There you go. And thanks, audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com for Chris Voss. Order up his book, How Building the Future Really Works, from Information Technologies and Space Technologies to Power Production and Electromobility. What society needs to take the next leap. Forward. Thanks for tuning in. I go to LinkedIn.com for it. That's Chris Voss, Chris Voss One, and Chris Voss Facebook to see us on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Be good at each other. Stay safe. We'll see you guys next time.